Welcome to Chase Oaks. We're so glad that you're here this weekend. Uh, we are continuing a series called Joyful Again. In other words, we're trying to get our joy back in a year that has been extremely challenging. If you're uh, watching for the first time or you're here for the first time and you're thinking to yourself, listen, I've heard a bunch of Christians singing this song, talking about some joy to the world, and you're like, I don't think so. Well, listen, I want you to know that it's possible that even in the craziest year perhaps many of us have experienced in our lifetime, I want you to know that it's possible for you to actually still have joy. Uh, there is a verse that I want us to look at today. It's found in the book of Romans, chapter 12. It says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. In other words, <laughs> Paul's going, hey, when you see affliction, I actually want you to slow down, not fast forward. For you to have that kind of mindset, you have to have some sort of anchor. You have to have some sort of true joy. Contrary to popular belief, uh, joy is not the opposite of sad. Joy uh, has had this reputation for a long time that it can't experience, have any sort of negative experiences. But joy can actually make room for despair, heartache, job loss, a pandemic, a divorce, Joy, true joy, actually makes space for everything that we experience in our life. In fact, sometimes when we think about being joyful, especially joyful in hope, we think of it as pretending to be happy. But choosing joy isn't pretending to be happy about negative circumstances. I'm not inviting you to do something to pretend like everything's better than it really is. No, when I invite you today to choose joy, what I'm asking you to do is to fully embrace the goodness of God, regardless of your circumstances. Because it's interesting, um, if you ever take some time and you're reading scripture, especially the Apostle Paul, it's crazy the way he sees God, the way he sees Jesus, despite his circumstances. It's specifically the words that he writes while being in prison. Yet he's finding contentment, yet he is choosing joy, yet he is embracing the goodness of God. In fact, if you zoom in on the life of Paul, what you will find is him in a jail cell singing songs. Makes no sense at all, and it makes perfect sense at the same time. That's what happens when you have simply chosen joy, when you've chosen to embrace the goodness of God, even in the craziest of circumstances. So no, I'm not asking you to pretend this weekend. No, I'm not asking you to be fake this Christmas season. No, I'm asking you to embrace the goodness of God in what has been a very, very challenging year. Another thing about joy is this has been a year where we feel like we need permission for good things to happen. I mean, I love what it says later in this chapter. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. I had a buddy uh, come to me the other day, and he was like, hey, can I talk to you? I said, why are you whispering? What's going on? He goes, uh, I got a raise. I go, congratulations. He goes, well, I know. It's just, it's just 2020. You know, I, just, I, just, I just didn't know. I didn't know if it, was, if it was okay to have something good happen. I was like, man, that's, that's amazing. I have another friend that graduated 
they, 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 they got their law degree. I'm thinking, I'm like, man, this is, this is great. This is, this is, this is, this is wonderful news. And then I had someone else reach out to me and ask me how in the world God could let their husband die due to COVID-19 at age 54. And here's what I, I, I hope I, I can help us this weekend understand is that scripture gives us the ability to rejoice with the graduate and mourn with the widow. And it doesn't make us any less joyful to do both. In fact, I, I believe true joy actually makes space for both spectrums. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but I, I, sometimes I feel the pressure to, to pick one. We're not talking about gloating about something great that's happened to us, but man, I hope that with us and our families that we can rejoice when God is doing something. We can rejoice in the goodness of God, and that is not somehow insensitive to what's happening with someone else, that we can also sit with our brother and our sister and also mourn with them. So yeah, this weekend, I'm inviting you to choose joy. I love that it says, be joyful in hope. I think if we're going to be joyful again, we're going to find it in hope. Finding it in hope. Where do we find hope? I think we find hope in the Christmas narrative. The Christmas story. I want to look at it today from two different perspectives. The angel, Gabriel, has brought good news to two people in Luke chapter 1. One is Zechariah, who's a priest. The other one's a middle school teenager named Mary. And he's bringing some news to them, but they, they have virtually two different responses. So what we see here in Luke chapter 1, verse 7, it says about Zechariah and Elizabeth. It says, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And they were both, everybody say this with me, very old. They can't do what very young people can do, okay? Like that, that the Bible's clear on that. And then, verse 13, it says, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. Now, here's his response. He says, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is... Well along, you know, like you can tell he's been married a lot. You know what I mean? Like he's not going to call his wife. old. like the Bible could call his wife. old, but he's not going to do. He's like, my wife is well along in her years. Uh, uh, another translation. He says, what sign can you give me to prove this will happen? I mean, it's interesting. The angel says to Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. But it's like he can't even believe that it happened. In fact, when we pray for the impossible, what do we often say about answered prayer? We say, it's unbelievable. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. But the truth of the matter is, how prayer works is because somebody prayed Believing for it to happen, believing that the impossible can happen for anybody. 
So you've got Zechariah, who's a priest, who's praying, going, there's something I've asked God for, but, well, my wife is very alone in her years. And what I want to encourage somebody with this this weekend is if we pray expecting a no, well, that defeats the purpose of praying at all. I mean, I wonder who's, who's here today that's just, you've been praying because, like, we told you to. But if you're honest, you don't really believe it's going to happen. I mean, you're doing it almost out of a religious duty, but I don't know if you believe. In fact, a lot of us find ourselves discouraged by un answered prayer if you pray long enough and get a no you kind of go well man i I just i don't know i'm not i don't know that i want to stand in line for 30 years praying for the same thing like i think for some of us we're going listen if he if he didn't want to give it to me when i first asked then you know what i just zechariah elizabeth i like them i do uh I feel like we can relate to them. Uh, we see their history in, in, in the verses before. It says in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. I don't I have never found a couple described as this in my life, even in scripture. Oh, we're talking about a godly couple, a church attending couple, pastor's kids, if you will, who are helping others try to connect with God. But they're doing so with an unanswered prayer. I mean, have you ever just come to church and you're, you're singing the songs? Maybe you serve somewhere in the church, but you're doing so with heartache. Maybe you're on the worship team and you're doing so with despair. I mean, we're telling other people about Jesus. But inside, we got a little discouragement ourselves. We're not even sure where we could even show that to somebody else. So where do you where do you find hope? I mean, I don't I don't blame Zechariah. I get it. I've prayed for other people and watched God answer their prayers and him not answer my own. I've been there. I get it. I I understand why Zechariah would find himself in a place where he would be going, (laughs) excuse me, how can I be sure? Can you provide me some proof? Have you ever been there? I love the angel's response. Because I think the angel's response is where you and I find hope, ladies and gentlemen. It says this in verse 19. It says the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I love his intro. Like, hey, man, like, do you know who's talking to you? I'm, I'm like the head honcho. Like, of all the angels God could have said, he sent me, like the boss. I'm Gabriel, just so you know. And then he says, I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this. Good news. This is good news. Do you know where I am? I am Gabriel. I am in the presence of the almighty 
God, and he has sent me here with a message for you. I've got good news, whether you believe it or not. But guess what? You've been praying for it. So now your prayer has been answered. I love God's heart for us. Uh, I, I have learned more about God over the past six years than I ever have in my life. And that was the moment that I became a father. Uh, my wife and I, uh, we've got two children. This is Roman. He is, uh, if I do my math right, I believe he's 18 months, give or take a month. Okay, it's been a long year. So um, this is Roman. Roman uh, is starting to use very, very little words. Uh, there is nothing I would not give this one. Okay, this child can ask me for anything and my heart immediately melts and I would empty out my bank account, would give him a Tesla if I had to. Okay, like would sell my house, get a second mortgage, whatever this one needs, like, hey, he's got it. Um, I love my children equally. I just have different relationships with them. Okay, then there's this one. Okay, this is Jackson. He's a six-year-old. He can talk fully, okay? And he also can make full requests for Christmas and his birthday. You know what he asked for this Christmas? A car. Not a toy car, a car, okay? Like an actual vehicle. It's like, hey, man, um, nah, we ain't, no, it's illegal. Like, we can't. We can't do that. But he's like, but you're my dad. You got a car. How come I ain't got a car? I'm like, because I'm grown and you just think that you're grown. But you know what I love? I love when he asks. You know, in in fact, him asking me for absolutely ridiculous things. He asked for an office the other day. He said, I want to go to work. I go, no, you don't. Um, (laughs) But I, I love that he that he. He believes that dad can do anything. He just has an absurd faith that dad can just, he can just make stuff appear. He can just do stuff. And you know what, if I'm honest, I never get sick of him asking. It's a, it's a part of our relationship. So... For the person that's watching this message right now, and you've been discouraged, and you've been praying for something for a very, very long time, you've been serving in the children's ministry while praying that your children come back to know the Lord at all, for those of you who have been praying for a terminal illness, for those of you who have been praying for so long that you have prayed yourself almost into a discouragement, and I want to encourage you this weekend, I want to encourage you to keep praying. I want to encourage you to keep praying so you can keep connecting. Because your heavenly father wants to connect with you. And what I know about the presence of God is you will find hope for your soul in the presence of God. Anytime when I look back on my life where I found myself in a rut, where I found myself discouraged, I can also point to you that was a time where I was not spending time in the presence of God. This Christmas season. I want to encourage you to spend time with your Savior. This Christmas season, I want to encourage you to pause just for a moment and spend some time actually in the presence of God where Gabriel was standing. And he's going, guess what's happening in the presence of God? Good news. Great news. Oh, we find hope 
in the presence of God. And here's what's going to happen when we spend more time with God. We're going to actually get God's heart. Can I encourage you with something? God's heart is more important than God's answers. Like, some of us are going, man, what am I going to get hope? I'm going to get hope in what? That things go back to normal? That the stock market helps out my portfolio? That I find a date? That, that I get a job? Like, like hope in what? No, it's, it's so much bigger than that. Oh, you need something anchored that's so much deeper than just our wish list. That we sometimes feel like we're leaving voicemails for God and, and every now and then one gets answered. You're like, okay, he listened to the voicemail. No, we're talking about connecting. This is what the Christmas season is all about. It brought us something brand new, ladies and gentlemen. An opportunity to connect with God. This is why it was joy to the world because no one could connect with God and he sent the connection. That's the beauty of this whole deal. And he's starting with Zechariah. He's going, guess what? I want to do something in your family that you would never believe in a million years. Although you've been praying for it. And guess what? Your prayers have been heard. And this is how the Christmas story is starting off. God is doing something in a family. So he starts with the elders. Then he moves on to a middle school teenager. And here's what we find in Luke Chapter 1, verse 26 says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledge to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Uh, engagement was a lot different than it is in America. There were actually three stages. The first stage was uh, you would make an announcement. Hey, we're getting together. Kind of like arranged marriage. I don't know if you would want to do that. Uh, not today. But that's how it was done then. And then uh, there was the actual uh, vow to, to make that happen. It was like, okay, we're, we're going to make that happen. And then the, the groom would actually go away and prepare for the bride. So you would just be waiting. So in that waiting period, the only way that you could get out of that, you could actually get divorced before you had actually consummated a marriage. And so here an angel shows up mid-engagement. Mid-engagement is going, hey, I got some news for you. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings. What's up? You who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Not many teenagers get visitations from Gabriel, right? But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. Her response. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin. Mary got some questions. And then the angel answered her and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be possible. And then this is what Mary said. And what Mary said is what I hope and pray you and I say to the call of God on our life. Mary says this. 
Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Oh, I love the Christmas story. I want us to notice the difference between Zechariah and Mary. An angel has come to both of them. Both have been given good news, great assignments. um, Zechariah wants proof. Mary wants logistics. Um, For Zechariah, he's going, how can I be sure? Give Give me some proof. Mary's going, man, just tell me when and where. Uh, The Christmas story for you and for me shows us that the impossible can happen when we're willing to raise our hands and say, I'm in. Let it be. Mary did not sign up for easy by any stretch of the imagination. Do you know how hard it is to raise baby Jesus? Just think about that for a minute. You're going to discipline baby Jesus? You're going to put him in timeout? Good luck. He'll put you in timeout and see what happens. I mean, just think about this for a second. I mean, this is not easy. You're a middle school teenager who's gotten pregnant by God, who has to explain that to her older fiance when he comes back. And good luck with that. Okay. Oh, by the way, you're going to be a fugitive as well. So you better be good at dodging the law and ducking and diving. And you better figure out how to hide. Well, like she didn't sign up for easy. What she did is she decided to say, hey, I'm going to raise my hand. Let it be. You have told me that your Holy Spirit is going to give me power. I'm in. Fugitive? Uh, that sounds scary, but you told me I got your power. And Mary is not a person that's looking for hope. Mary is a person that's bringing it. I encourage you with something. We could spend our time looking for hope for ourselves or bringing hope to others around us. I want you to know this weekend, you are an agent of hope. You are not a damsel in distress. It is not woe is me. No, it is the Christmas season. And that does not mean that bad things don't happen to good people. No, it means that we walk around with hope in our back pocket and we deliver it to others. We are hope agents. Not hope in things that go back to normal. No, hope that is an anchor for our soul. That is how Hebrews describes the work of Jesus as this hope. This anchor for our soul. Did you know that for first century Christians, the symbolism of Christianity was not a cross. The symbolism for Christianity was an anchor. In fact, historians have found old tombs that on the tombstones were anchors. In other words, these were a group of people who were constantly persecuted. You had to understand something. If you were a first century Christian, you didn't get to go to like a nice church. They didn't have like a little worship team. Somebody get up there and play the guitar. And then you get to sit down and watch some announcement videos. Like that, that, that wasn't the deal. You did so in fear and trembling. For being burned at the stake. But yet. They had hope. Why did they have hope? Because they had an anchor. They weren't people that were going. It's not raining outside. What are you talking about? No. There's no storm. There's no storm. No. They were going. No. It's raining. 
It's a storm, but we have an anchor. We ain't going nowhere. We're going to be all right. That's hope. And that's what Jesus came to bring. And he did it starting with a family that would just believe that the impossible was possible with God. God's going, hey, anything that you think is impossible with a little bit of my power and a little bit of your willingness to obey, you'd be surprised what can happen in your family. You'd be surprised what can happen at your job. You'd be surprised what can happen in your world and your life today. If you decide at this Christmas season to say, Lord, I don't know what you're up to, but I'm in. Spoiler alert, it's not like COVID-19 is waiting for 2021 to slow down. It's not like, oh, oh, January 1st, oh, cool, I'm going to do it. If we think something magical is going to happen on New Year's Day, it's not. But whatever you wish would happen then can happen right now. That's the beauty of Christmas. That new life can be born in the worst of circumstances. That new life can be born in that marriage. That new life can be born in that job. That new perspective can come your way right here, right now. Not because a pandemic goes away. Not because businesses open. Not because of who's president. But because of who came. Wrapped in swaddling clothes. It represents a new opportunity for you and me to have hope, to have an anchor for our soul, even when we're surrounded by chaos. So yes, ladies and gentlemen, I invite you to choose joy this weekend. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I invite you to be joyful in hope. You know, one of the definitions I've heard of hope is having one day on your calendar that you're looking forward to. And there's so many people that don't have that. I don't have hope. I don't have anything to look forward to. They have no expectations for the future. And call me crazy. But I think you should get your hopes up. Not that things will turn around. I think you should get your hopes up. And the one who came to be an anchor for your soul. And when you do that, you know the date on the calendar that you can look forward to? Tomorrow. Because you got hope. And you're not just looking for it. The reason that you can look forward to tomorrow is because there is a chance that you can meet somebody else that needs it. And you already got it. So you get to go to that neighbor. You get to hop on that Zoom. And you got a smile on your face. Why are you always smiling? Call me crazy, but I have an anchor for my soul. Ladies and gentlemen, that's how I think we find joy. Ladies and gentlemen, that's why I believe it truly is joy to the world. And that's how I believe that we can be joyful again. In just a few moments, we're going to sing another song. And I I just believe that in these next few moments, my hope and prayer for each and every one of us is that God would help us be joyful in hope. That we would have a day on our calendar. That we would have many days on our calendar. We go, man, I can't wait for tomorrow. Oh, there's somebody in my life that could use a little bit of hope. And I'm a hope agent. I give it. I have signed up 
Not for easy. I've signed up for whatever God has for me in my life. And if it looks impossible, that's okay because I'm going to trust that His power is greater than anything else going on in my life. For Zechariah, it was old age. For Mary, it was she was a virgin. But something happens when we just believe the power of God. Something happens when we spend time in His presence and it's just going, man, that is where we're going to find hope this season. That's my prayer for you and for me. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about the greatest story ever told. God, I pray for my friends today that are discouraged. God, I pray that you would help us find joy again. God, I pray that my friends would leave today with more hope than they've ever had before. In a crazy year, God, I pray that you would help somebody get their joy back again from my friends that have been robbed of so much this year. I pray, God, that they would end the year strong, that they would end the year hopeful that the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say it. Amen.